Following last week's news that Pfizer has a vaccine candidate that it says is 90% effective, well, this week Moderna came out and said that it has a vaccine candidate that is almost 95% effective. To speak more about what the latest announcements mean, I'm happy to be joined by infectious disease clinician and researcher in the Division of Infectious Diseases at the Massachusetts General Hospital, Dr. Mark Seidner. Dr. Seidner, thank you so much for the time. My pleasure. So uh, what should people kind of be drawing from these announcements? Like, what are you taking from what we're hearing? And and how close does this mean that we are to actually having a a vaccine that's safe for the general population? I think this is a time to stop and really take stock of where we are. Uh, You know, 10 months ago, this this virus had, had not even yet been discovered. And typically, it takes somewhere around 10 to 15 years to go from a product development through phase three clinical trials for approval not 10 months later, we're talking about the re- results of two large phase three trials, tens of thousands of people, which preliminarily, and in one case, in the case of Pfizer now, so- somewhat now definitively, uh, seem to suggest that these vaccines are relatively safe, at least in tens of thousands of people, and are preventing infections, symptomatic infections, at rates that, frankly, I'm not sure any of us expected. Uh, many vaccines are only 50 to 60 percent efficacious Preliminarily, these seem to be in the 90 to 95% range. So this is a, a time for optimism. I, I think we're very reassured to see these. Lots of step, steps left before they actually end up in people's arms and, and getting us protected from this infection. But really good news the last couple of weeks. So uh, maybe I should ask a little bit about what these vaccines are, because they're, they're an RNA platform. I don't really know exactly what that is. I understand it's never been approved before for human use. So is that something that, you know, we should be concerned at all about? Or, or what exactly is this? And, and what does that mean for, for humans here moving forward? Sure. So RNA is, is part of our body's machinery. It's, it's one of the steps that our body takes to produce protein in, in our own body and to, produce, and, and to make our cells work and to make our bodies work. So RNA itself is the part, uh, a part of our cells that we use to, to make proteins. The way these vaccines work is we actually, they're actually encoded the part of the genetic code that makes a piece of protein that looks just like the COVID-19 virus. The, the, the outer surface of that virus. And so basically, we inject this code in, our cells absorb the, the genetic material and, and converts this genetic material into protein that looks just like COVID-19 virus without being the virus. Our body sees that foreign substance and says, hey, that's not supposed to be here, develops an immune response against it, and then says, I'm going to remember this. If I see this again, I'm going to attack it. That immune response protects us from the time that our body actually does see the COVID-19 virus and stops it from making us sick. There have not been any mRNA vaccines that have been licensed for use in people. The technology has been around for about 20 or 30 years. There have been some promising preliminary results. But, yes, this is the first time that we've actually seen these at scale uh, produce a protective response in humans that prevents them from infection. Should that be cause for concern? Well, I would have said two or three months ago, yeah, we need to see the data. But today we now have two results from large phase three clinical trials that suggest that this technology has worked. The proof is now in the pudding. Of course, we want to see it on larger schools. Of course, we want to see these data actually published. But I would say that that the information we've gotten the last two weeks have have really actually helped us believe for the first time that this technology can be used to produce an effective vaccine. I mean, just kind of to go off of COVID-19 for a second, when you say that, you know, it's been around for for 20 plus years and we haven't been able to use it in a way that has been effective to this point, I guess, could we almost look at at this virus, this novel virus that we have now and say this has almost been a, I don't want to say beneficial because obviously that's terrible to say, but 
it's really helped us develop this technology and learn more about it. And, and this could potentially, from from what I understand from what you just said, this could have really uh, positive implications moving forward as well outside of COVID-19. That's right. I mean, I, I think it's hard to overstate how impressed the scientific field is with the fact that a virus that was discovered in, in January is now one for which there appear to be multiple effective vaccines. The, the, the speed at which this, these advances took place is incredibly impressive and, 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 and definitely unprecedented in scientific history. The reason why vaccine, one of the reasons why vaccines are so hard to develop is, is because typically they're not pandemics, right? So if you take the case of Ebola, for example, Ebola is a terrible disease, but was relatively well, is well, has been relatively well contained in a few pockets of areas. And we're talking tens of thousands of, of, of infections, not hundreds of millions of infections. So it can be actually very difficult to develop a vaccine and actually find enough people who get infected to show that it works. So, so it just happens to be that the COVID-19 pandemic has been so widespread that they've been able to do these studies quickly because enough people are getting infected that we can show that they work. So it is a little bit of, of a scenario where uh, it was the right place at the right time for this technology to be tested on this scale and show that it works. Now, given that you are, of course, an infectious disease expert, given the science that we're seeing right now and, and the positive news coming out from, from Moderna and from Pfizer at this stage, I guess, how, how um, long do you think it might take before we start to see a vaccine available for the general population? I understand from, from what I'm hearing from experts, it's probably at least, you know, uh, late into the first quarter of next year, which still sounds incredibly soon, right? That's about four months away. I mean, is that realistic to you? Or do you think uh, that maybe we're getting a little too optimistic here? Well... I think it's, we need to keep in mind that the science is really the, the, the first step here to show that these vaccines work, to show that they're safe. That, that's the first step. It's a very important step, and we wouldn't be moving forward without that step. But there's many additional steps. There's, there's production steps. There's distribution steps. There's storage and stability steps. And, and, of course, there's these incredibly complicated logistics steps. How do you actually get this vaccine into clinics, into pharmacies, into hospitals so that people uh, can access them? This is something that we've done many times before. This won't be the first time this has happened, but it's going to take a concerted effort and response by federal and local governments to work together, figure out those logistics and get them done in ways that, frankly, some other elements of this epidemic response, at least in the United States, have not gone anywhere near as well. I don't think I would need to tell any Americans about how hard it is to get tested. Um, They'd say, well, maybe this will be hard to do. But that largely, at least in our case, has been because there hasn't been a very coordinated federal response. I'm hopeful that the vaccine will be different, that they'll figure out these logistics and that they'll, once they, these are proven effective and safe, that they'll figure out ways to make sure that the people who need them get them. I will say that there's some important specificities about these vaccines, which could cause some additional challenges. And I, I think uh, I'm sure you've now heard and potentially discussed the Pfizer vaccine has some pretty unique storage requirements that may add, uh, have an additional challenge. Uh, it, not only do they need to be frozen, they actually need to be frozen uh, at, at about negative 70 degrees. Uh, and that really requires dry ice and a level of uh, freezer storage that, that the vast majority of clinics aren't going to have. Um, some, some large hospitals and research labs will. Pfizer's working on developing a, a storage system and a transportation system for the vaccines, but that's not something that's going to be off the shelf. They'll need to develop it. Fortunately, the Moderna vaccine is a little bit easier to store. It still requires refrigeration, which I have to say is going to be a challenge for a lot of lower resource settings around the world uh, because you can't just stick it on the shelf. Uh, it's not one of these freeze-dried vaccines. But I think uh, 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 a regular freezer and, and a refrigerator with, in which it can be stored for a couple months 
it, it's actually an incredible advance over a negative 70 degree freezing situation. So th- there are a lot of, um, I think, solutions that are still needed. We're not yet at the point where this vaccine is ready for widespread distribution. Neither of them are. But I, I am relatively confident that based on the, the manufacturers who both say they can produce in the tens of millions of vaccines this year and in the hundreds of millions of vaccines next year, that quarter one, quarter two of next year is a reasonable target uh, for getting these out and getting them into the public. That's uh, really, really positive news. Uh, I think that's about all I have for questions, Dr. Seidner, but uh, this is really great. I, I thank you so much for taking the time to kind of bring some clarity to exactly what these announcements mean. Uh, you know, for, the, for, for Joe Schmoes like myself, uh, sometimes some of the data goes a little bit over my head. So thank you so much for uh, kind of dumbing it down a bit for me. Appreciate this, and thank you so much. My pleasure. Anytime.